This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. So here we go again. Welcome to the show. It's called Because I Said So. It's all about parenting, family issues. I'm your host, John Roseman. If you are new to the program, I hope you won't just listen to me once. I hope you'll keep coming back. It's broadcast every Saturday on American Family Radio through American Family Radio stations and outlets all over America at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, 5 o'clock Central. You can also pick it up, I think, five days later as a podcast through my website, which is johnrosemond.com, or if you prefer, just rosemond.com, R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D. And I've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm not going to go into uh, you know what's on the website and anything about me. You can look it all up. Last week, I talked about uh, the great commandment, uh, which is Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 37. And uh, here's what it reads in the English Standard Version. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. This is where the plotting begins. It thickens, as they say. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Again, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 37. So here's a description of the scene in which a Pharisee, a young lawyer, presumably young, I don't know, maybe not, seeking to trip Jesus and thereby prove that he is not a legitimate prophet, much less the Messiah. And, you know, people were starting to whisper that perhaps this miracle worker was the Messiah, asked Jesus to identify the great commandment in the law. In other words, the foremost commandment. And, of course, the Pharisee in question doesn't know that he's asking this question of none other than the very author of Hebrew Scripture, which is the only Scripture we had at that point in time. And Jesus may have inwardly smiled at the man's naivete. He tells his interrogator that the foremost commandment is to love God with a complete commitment of heart soul, and mind. So in everything that we believers do, that directive should be utmost on our thinking, utmost to every purpose under heaven. There is no exception to that principle of living, no area of life where it does not apply or applies only somewhat. It is the very essence of a biblical worldview. The question then becomes, how does the great and first commandment pertain to the rearing of children. So first, a little background here. Um, most of the parents who come to hear me speak 
around the country, I speak predominantly in churches on weekends, Sunday afternoons mostly, are hoping that I will address specific discipline problems they are experiencing with their kids, you know, tantrums, disobedience, disrespect, school, classroom behavior issues, and so on and so forth. They're looking for methods, techniques, and strategies that will solve these problems. This hope that there's a method or a technique or a strategy out there that will solve your child's discipline problems reflects a postmodern belief in behavior modification, the notion that any behavior problem can be solved by manipulating reward and or punishment, that is, consequences properly. Now, it's important that my listeners know that behavior modification theory was formulated by an atheist, Brandeis psychology professor B.F. Skinner, and boils down to a mechanistic, atheistic, Darwinian proposition to wit that the principles governing the behavior of amoeba, worms, rats, and dogs also govern the behavior of human beings. Because it refuses to acknowledge that despite shared biological characteristics, human beings are not animals, that we were created in God's image, and as such possess free will, behavior modification is not and never will live up to its hype as a disciplinary panacea. And for that reason, I don't talk primarily about methods, techniques, and strategies. Behavior is nothing more than a superficial thing. It's like judging the book by the cover. I even say to audiences, you've already learned. You simply aren't accepting the evidence that methods, techniques, and strategies aren't going to solve the problems you're having with your kids. That's why you keep trying one disciplinary method, technique, and strategy after another to no avail. Any given strategy may work for a week or two, but that's about the extent of it. The secret to proper discipline is not proper methods, it's the proper point of view. And that's what you're lacking, and that's what will solve your child-rearing problems. A proper point of view. I'm referring to what I call a proper parent view. As the term indicates, it's the parenting equivalent of a proper worldview. Evangelical Christians know or should that a proper worldview, one informed by the Word of God and therefore Christ-centric, is critical to living a proper Christian life. Likewise, a proper parent view is informed by the Word of God exclusively and is therefore Christ-centric. Now, what I'm about to propose is bound to startle some of you out there in American Family Radio land, but in the context of a proper biblical parent view, one's first and foremost parenting obligation is not to one's child, it is to God. One's child doesn't even come in second, but I'll get to that, hopefully in this program, but maybe not. If not, then the next program and in this ongoing series a parent's first obligation is to demonstrate through his or her child-rearing love of God. That is essentially what Paul meant when he exhorted fathers not to exasperate their children, but rather to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ironically, by putting obligation to God in front of obligation to children, parents will do a far far better job. You know, parents use personal pronouns when they refer to their offspring. They say things like, 
this is my son, this is my daughter, these are our children, when in fact every child belongs first and foremost to God. Parents serve as his proxies in the raising of his children. And just as a nanny's, and she's a proxy, first obligation is to the parents of the child or children in her care, her first obligation is to do things the way they, the parents, want things done, so a parent's first obligation is to do things in the manner our Heavenly Father wants them done, to raise His children according to His perfect parenting plan. Parents execute this obligation by putting what God wants of them in front of what the world expects and wants of them. God wants parents to focus on growing moral, ethical people who possess a biblical worldview. See Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. The world wants parents to promote their children's achievements. God wants parents, when they seek child-rearing guidance, to look only to his revelation. See Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Isaiah 9, 6, 2 Timothy 3, 17. The world wants parents to lean on the understandings of individuals who occupy credentialed positions in psychology and other mental health professions. Individuals who, with rare exception, promote a materialist, atheistic worldview. God wants parents to raise children who esteem him above everything else in their lives. The world wants parents to help their children develop high esteem for themselves. God wants parents to prepare children for citizenship in his kingdom to come. The world wants parents to prepare children for citizenship in a society driven by individualism and materialism. The world serves the powers of this dark world to whom Paul referred in his letter to the burgeoning church in Ephesus. See Ephesians 6.12, saved believers are called to serve God, not the world. The title of Oswald Chambers' masterpiece, My Utmost, My Utmost to His Highest, encapsulates that high calling. Is that startling? That your first obligation as a parent is not to your child, that it's to our Heavenly Father, that you are merely his proxy in the raising of his child, and that, as is the case with a nanny, whose first obligation is to the parents of the child she is overseeing, her first obligation is to do things the way they want her to do things. Your first obligation as a parent is to do things the way our Heavenly Father wants them done where your child or children are concerned. That, folks, is, in my estimation, unarguable. Unarguable. What is the problem today? The problem today is that even in the evangelical Christian community, parents are serving, not all, but a disproportionate number certainly are serving the world in the way they raise their kids. This is why... Evangelical Christians in evangelical Christian churches describe to me the same problems they're having with their children that are described to me by 
secular humanist parents in a public school somewhere. We are, I'm afraid, when it comes to the raising of children and perhaps in more areas of life than we even want to admit, afraid to distinguish ourselves, afraid to be weird. I'll be right back. Stay with me. there in American Family Radio Land. The show is called Because I Said So. Thanks for staying with me if you've uh, heard the first part of the show. Thanks for joining us if you did not or only heard part of it. I'm your host, John Rosemond, heretic psychologist, author, syndicated columnist, syndicated radio talk show pundit. And, and the only person talking is me. And I'll explain that. Okay, because some people say, why don't, why don't you do interviews, John? Well, I'd love to do interviews. I'd love to take phone calls. But the fact of the matter is, and uh, this was the caveat when I approached American Family Radio with this idea, Tim Wildman and, and the, uh, the good people there, uh, this was the caveat that I was, generally speaking, on the road most of the week and weekends through the school year, that's my sort of speaking season. It begins in mid-August, wraps up the weekend before Thanksgiving, picks back up in the middle of January and wraps up, say, around the 1st of May, middle of May, something like that, depending on demand. And um, I said, you know, if you want me to do this on a Saturday afternoon, the fact of the matter is that I'm in a city somewhere in America that is not my hometown, New Bern, North Carolina, and I, I would be hard-pressed to find a radio station where I could do the show live. And so what I do instead is I record the show in advance and uh, send the recorded show through the miracle of the Internet to American Family Radio, but as a consequence, it's impossible for me to take phone calls and do interviews. Now, it wouldn't be impossible for me to do interviews, but I'm actually recording the show in my home office, and there just isn't enough room for a console that would accommodate another person in this office in a comfortable fashion and would allow me to do interviews. So it's just me. So anyway, uh, I, I love your feedback. You can send your feedback to radio at rosemond.com, radio at rosemond.com. That's my website. It's either rosemond or johnrosemond.com. And uh, if you want me to answer a question, uh, talk about a certain subject, uh, give me a scripture to talk about, uh, whatever. Send your requests, comments, uh, reviews to radio at rosemond.com. Uh, by the way, thank you, folks. We have yet, uh, and, and I've been doing this for almost three years for American Family Radio, I have yet to receive a, a really critical email. I mean, I've had people suggest, you know, like a person suggested uh, recently, John, you're repeating yourself too much. Well, 
I thought about that, and I decided, no, I'm not repeating myself too much. There are people who are listening to this program for the first time every, every, every time it is broadcast, and they need to know what I'm repeating, because what I'm repeating is essential to an understanding of what, where I'm coming from. So I repeat a lot. Yeah, I'm a heretic psychologist licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board who regrets the day they ever gave me a license because I am outspoken all over America uh, in my syndicated column in this, uh, through this radio program that I absolutely know, this is not my opinion, that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, family, parent, school, community, culture, than psychologists even know how to solve, and things like that. So yeah, I need to repeat myself. But thank you, folks, for the positive feedback and suggestions along the, uh, along the years. I run into people all over America who are listening to this show, and, and really and truly nothing gratifies me more than to know that this ministry, in his name, not my name, <laughs> that's for sure. I am merely a mouthpiece, and hopefully um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable in his sight most of the time anyway, which is all that a sinful human being can expect. But uh, I, it is gratifying to me that this ministry, in his name, is reaching so many people across America and is impacting so many lives, the lives of children, the lives of parents, the lives of families, and therefore impacting America. And, and you know, when you're, when you're uh, using God's Word as your platform, then you, you can't go very wrong. You just can't. So I've got to believe that the impact of the show is positive and praise him for all of that. Why he has chosen a sinner like me to, uh, to be his spokesperson where it comes to, or one of his spokespeople when it comes to the raising of children is beyond me. But anyway, so I talked about the application of the great and first commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind in the first half of the show. And in this half of the show, I want to talk about Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. I was on that road once. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The way is hard. I was talking about that to a friend, by, with a friend this morning. I said, why, why is it that life just seems to get, in, instead of easier and easier, more and more complicated? And she said, we're, we're being prepared for the glory that, that is to come. Brilliant. Thank you, Diane. Made my day. Anyway, uh, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Yeah, along the, uh, Matthew seven thirteen fourteen, 
A fellow once tried to lure me into an argument by uh, telling me that I write and talk as if there's only one proper way to raise a child. And uh, I blew his mind, I think. I said, that's true. There's only one proper way to raise a child. Oh, that's truly absurd, he bellowed. There are many equally worthwhile ways to parent properly. But, I said to him, the various ways that you're referring to are all different from one another. Therefore, their outcomes are also going to be different. How could they be equal? And after staring at me for a few (laughs) pregnant moments, he said, you're just very narrow-minded, and stormed away. Little did he know that had he stuck around, I would have agreed with him. I am narrow-minded. I have tried broad-mindedness, also known as inclusive or rainbow thinking. Uh, some fellow sent me an email the other day, said, I, I, I need to discover the, the, the bliss of rainbow thinking. Anyway, I've tried broad-mindedness and found it severely lacking. took me a long time, folks, in my life to come to the realization that my open-mindedness and my broad-mindedness, which is what the world expects of us, was really self-destructive. There was a time, yeah, in my life when I believed in the lie of relativism and its promise of personal liberation I believed that standards, moral and otherwise, were flexible, subject to time and place. That's the, you know, the centerpiece of relativism. There are no standards, really. You're free to set your own. I believed in shades of gray, and then I came to know Christ and coming to realize that there was but one proper way to do anything Anything began to jettison that postmodern baggage from my life. Hallelujah. When Jesus said, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, he was referring to eternal life versus eternal death. But his words pertain equally well to the raising of kids. There is but one way to attain eternal life. It is the Lord's way. Many ways are currently promoted as equally viable, but there is but one way to attain eternal life, the Lord's way. The world wants you to believe that Islam, Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and even atheism all lead to the same state of eternal glory and bliss. Not so. Those are roads to destruction, some more clever, disingenuous, seductive than others. Likewise, there's only one proper way to raise a child, the Lord's way. They're his kids. He has given parents, his proxies, a concise and yet complete set of instructions by which to raise his children. As is true of every aspect of his word, God's child-rearing instructions are perfect and complete. They are lacking in nothing. And by the way, they pertain to all children, Regardless of IQ, personality factors, physical characteristics, health issues, and so on, the world wants you to believe that superficial attributes should dictate how any given child is reared, a proposition that sows discord and as such serves the purposes of the dark lord of this world. God's parenting instructions are perfect. Human beings are sinful, imperfect, broken. Human beings, given a perfect set of instructions, 
will still, however, do an imperfect job, but they will, however, do a far, far better job than if they use instructions provided by other sinful, imperfect, broken human beings. The sad fact, one that pastors need to confront from their pulpits, is that Christian parents, as a group, are experiencing the same parenting problems as our secular humanist parents. The only possible explanation? An overwhelming majority of Christian parents have bought into what the world wants of them. They follow parenting fad and fashion. They may call themselves Christian conservatives, but they are parenting progressives, albeit unwittingly. When it comes to the doing of anything, the proper way is God's way, and the proper way is always entered through a narrow gate. Thanks for joining me, folks. Gotta go fast. God bless you. God bless your families. Hope you join me next week again. Bye-bye.